Hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Vandal Biz Talks. My name is Landon, and this is my co-host, Connor Zeff. Hello everyone. Today we're going to be talking about AI tools and how they affect us here at school. And who better to shed some light on the issue than our special guest, Elon Musk. With Play.ht, you can clone your own voice and have an identical replica of it. What do you mean by that, Elon? With Play.ht, we you can play clone your own voice HT. and have an you identical clone your own with voice. Play dot H dot clone your own voice. Clone your own voice and have an identical replica. Okay, so obviously this isn't really Elon Musk here on our podcast, but it is an AI generated voice that sounds nearly identical. We got this recording for Play dot which is a really interesting tool that you can use to do fun bits like that but more practically things like voiceovers and things of that nature. They have a ton of text-to-speech voices, but you can also make a very realistic clone of your own voice, for a nominal fee, of course. There are so many AI tools on the market today, and more popping up all the time, but today we're going to talk about the big one, ChatGPT. Connor, what's your experience been with ChatGPT so far? Well, ChatGPT is a very interesting thing that I think has taken uh, our college over by storm. But first off, what, what is ChatGPT? Well, it's a conversational AI language model developed by OpenAI. It has been trained on a massive data set of internet text to generate human-like responses to text inputs, with its parent company being OpenAI. It was a Microsoft investment, but with the recent coming out of this AI, there have been certain competitors. Google especially is trying to come up with their own to go against the ChatGPT. There's this called Google Bard. Yeah, so Google Bard is really interesting. Uh, it's still in beta, but it's... Google's version of ChatGPT, and you know they're opening up Bard to select testers in the coming weeks before it launches widely. But it made a few errors in some key demonstrations, so we'll see if they can get up to, up to scratch um, and up to the level that ChatGPT is at. But uh, I mean, as far as like my and like personal, uh, how I've seen people use it, or how other people just around campus and stuff, because. I think a lot of a lot of people saw it come out, especially on like social media, things like Instagram, TikTok, uh, et cetera. I even I even saw like Snapchat uh, little videos and stuff, but I didn't really think too much about it. I just thought, oh, okay, you know, some AI thing. I'm sure, <laughs> you, okay, people are talking a lot about it. I didn't really think much of it, but I started seeing some of my friends and like students and other people I knew like really take use of it, and that's what I, made me become interested about it. But essentially. It's like you're having a conversation with with an AI, and you can you can ask them any kind of question and things like that. I personally have just used it for minor things, really. So like recently, I had to write an essay, and then I was just trying to I was struggling to come up with a solid title for my essay, and it was it was very easy to use. All you had to do was just ask it a question. I asked it, okay, what what would be a good topic or title for argumentative essays, and then boom, it just gave me a list of different. And almost instantly and then I was even able to ask it more ask it other questions but I think as as people are seeing what it's capable of there are kind of chances where it can definitely be abused and I think other teachers and more people are becoming more aware of that situation and like what are what are situations where you think people have absolutely abused the chat GBT? yeah I mean it, it is getting to be a problem I, I use it a lot for just rewriting sentences like you know, after I've drafted an essay and there's just something that I can't fix and that I don't like it, but I can't come up with a solution, I just put it in chat GPT, tell it to improve it, and it spits something out. And, you know, sometimes I mess around with it a little bit more, uh, but usually it's ready to go right away. And then it's also kind of helpful for outlining. If you give it kind of a topic and some things you want to talk about, it can come up with a really 
solid outline for you. No, I know. I, I know. Like people going out of their way and definitely like they're abusing the software and what it's capable of. Like as Landon mentioned, taking it to just rewrite a sentence. Now, some people would use it to write their whole essay and because that it's capable of doing so. You just you give it a topic. You, you tell it, OK, I, either if it's an argumentative essay or if it's a, an analytical essay, things like that, you could easily plug that into the software and it will give you a whole essay of whatever content that you're looking for. Yeah, that's right. And people just people don't revise it after they just turn it in. And the problem with this. Uh, language model is that it can be factually incorrect a lot of times. So teachers are saying that they are getting immaculate essays, right? But sometimes they're just flat out wrong. Or, you know, there's there's no grammar problems, there's nothing wrong, but, you know, they miss the point of the prompt or things like that. And so I think people can really fall into that trap. And they just, they, they don't really quite understand because, I mean, it, it really just goes to to the user. I mean, how lazy, how much effort are, are they really trying to put in? Because if they were a little bit smarter, they might, yes, copy their whole essay, but at least take the time to read through it at, at first and then kind of correlate and see how it goes along with the prompt or whatever they're given. But most people are just copying. And I mean, essentially, it's kind of hard to like, that's the argument that's going on is if it's really plagiarism, because it's like, this isn't somebody's real work that's being published. But I think the way that it's generated is that it's pulled from I guess the internet, like it just pulled from different responses about whatever topic that you input it, and it kind of just like fixes it together. And the AI just kind of assumed that that is what you're looking for. But at the same time, what people post out on the internet isn't always factual. So as a result, it can give you incorrect statements. And I don't think most people are, you know, aware of that or they realize that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, one of the other things is, there are detection methods available. Think people think that you know there's no way to tell if it was written by a person or an AI. But um, if you have submitted several essays and then all of a sudden that that were you, if you have submitted several essays that were written by you and then you submit an essay written by ChatGPT, it's it's almost certainly going to be better than what you've submitted, and it's definitely going to be different from your writing style. And that for especially for like higher level classes where they're really paying attention to those sort of things with smaller student groups, that, that kind of thing is very obvious. And I don't think that's really occurred to people. And also uh, OpenAI and other companies are exploring something called uh, AI watermarking, which uses cryptography to kind of create a pattern of words within the text that would be unidentifiable to the average person. But anyone with the key could tell that it was written with the AI. And so I think that it's going to turn into just kind of a standard check, like plagiarism checks with turnitin.com, where it's just going to be, you know, you just run it through the gamut of tests to see if it's really your work. And like, yeah, I mean, especially the more important things, college professors and things like that will definitely take the time. I think as it becomes more widespread and they become more aware of the issue, I'm sure that faculty will have meetings and be like, yeah, this is becoming more apparent. And I mean, like Landon said, it'll definitely be obvious if your writing is clearly not great and then all of a sudden you you know give out this um you know i supposedly perfect or tech i'd say technically perfect essay but it might still miss the mark and such before but they definitely notice from your previous writing and such so most i'm sure most professors will 
find ways to kind of check for this because they, they already have certain softwares like in, in our kind of submitting our homework. There's things there's in Canvas, you'd sit, submit assignments and there's already like a certain play, plagiarized, plagiarism like checker and you can, it'll indicate how, what percentage and stuff that they deem as like plagiarized and such. And I'm sure that once they figure out a way to crack down on this, they will just add that to their sort of just scanning process and find other ways of making sure that people aren't abusing this, this uh, AI. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, writing is such an essential skill that you can use in all uh, careers and aspects of your life. And I think not only are people cheating, like, the system, but they're cheating themselves out of the opportunity to, like, learn and grow as writers because it's such, like, a critical thinking process that takes time and repetition to really hone. And uh, I think people are really going to miss out on that. And I mean, it's really, it's, it's really a tool that you're going to use for the rest of your life, whether you're writing like your resume, a cover letter, an email. I mean, writing in any sense is definitely important. And I mean, those people that are using it more so as, as, as a crutch rather than a tool are, like Landon said, they're, they're cheating themselves. And I think that's, that's really bad. And I mean, that's also being seen with a lot of other tools like ChatGPT is definitely not the first to kind of uh, enable students given an edge that they definitely shouldn't have. Uh, and we, we definitely talk about that as well, like certain uh, applications such as like Photomath or, I mean, Quizlet being abused or there's other apps called Socratic, things like that, that give students access to the Internet in a way that allows them to cheat on all of their assignments. But I believe in, in certain in certain ways that these these applications can definitely be used as a tool. But I mean, these students need to just be aware that it, it can be used instead of as a crutch that it enables them to miss out on parts of their education that can use it to help them actually learn the content instead. Yeah, and so not only can this be used kind of in a, a school setting, but it can also be used in a professional setting, obviously. And so I'm a marketing major, and so I'm thinking of it from that perspective. And content writing, copywriting, blogging, uh, even like video outlines are such a huge part of a lot of marketing. And so I, I can see uh, definitely some, some marketers probably uh, foaming at the mouth at the idea of just being able to like pump this content out so fast. But I worry that it's, it's all just going to start to sound the same, uh, you know, and, and copywriting already does sound the same from like big company to big company. And when you just take out the human element of it completely... It's 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 gonna get it's gonna get boring. It's gonna get bland. Mm-hmm. No, I get what you're saying. It's right. Like it, it'll sound almost more robotic than actually more natural, and what people are definitely used to. And I think as as if it does get abused, people be able to start telling the difference between what is you know a real, as I said before, natural kind of output from a person rather than something that a tool that they've used to just create some kind of content and stuff. And I mean, maybe maybe we will be able to see a distinction. But I mean, if it is, if like I said, if they do use it as a tool then they can just allow it to help themselves and enable them to create more more seamless content rather than just something that falls into a more robotic kind of, I guess, output. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, marketers already use AI tools to create copy, uh, to create writing and videos and things like that. But the tools don't have the like quite the capability of ChatGPT and, you know, the future tools that are coming out. So it'll be really interesting to see kind of how the industry transitions to kind of compensate for that, where, you know, these these um, skills that were at one, at first and for a long time only in the hands of professionals that have like trained for this for years, um, it'll be interesting to see how 
how the industry compensates for that type of skill being handed to just the average person. Yeah. And like, and like going off that other, um, other sort of uses in like the professional world, planned and mentioning marketing. I mean, I'm, I'm a finance major, but I've also seen uses from, cause I have a lot of friends that are computer science majors and they've talked about how they've used it for a lot of their programming and, and coding stuff. ChatGBT has a very interesting feature that if you're, if you find yourself coding and writing code in the software, uh, you could, and, and you just, it, it isn't functioning the way you want it to. And it, it tells you that it has errors. You can put, you can just copy all of your code and paste it into chat, chat GBT and it'll tell you where, where your errors are coming from and how to, how to fix them. And I think the same thing can happen here is that some, I mean, I don't know if this is rather relevant in the professional world, but like in, like in college or high school, things like that, classes like that, you could, it could just write whole, whole coding and such for you, which definitely would, is once again using it as a crutch rather than a tool. But I think in the professional world, if they could use that, I think that would be very helpful because then we could further find applications to use it in where where humans, where they struggle, that they can adapt into more and use the AI to find the issues and fix the problems. Because I don't think everyone, especially with new up-and-coming programmers, you'd like to think that the head ones, you know, they're all great. They don't need a lot of the resources. They don't need help. But I think as, as new programmers come in, they're going to use more of those resources that are around them. And rather than just looking up something on Google, like how to, how to program something, you can just use the AI to help you figure out as a tool and, and benefit your programming and make it what you want it to be in function as, as how you want it. Yeah. And before you go coding your own web app, uh, with chat GPT, uh, its capabilities are pretty limited. It doesn't give you like too much code. And a lot of the times it's wrong. A lot of like question and answer sites like Quora, um, but for coding applications, have actually banned chat GPT responses. And so I, I don't, the capability just isn't quite there yet, but it will be super exciting to see how it develops in the future. All right, so now we've kind of talked about ChatGPT from our perspective, a student perspective, but today we brought in Dr. Groza, the head of the business department here at the University of Idaho. We're excited to hear the opinion of ChatGPT from a faculty perspective. And so, hi, Dr. Groza, thank you for coming on our show. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, pleasure to be here, Landon. I am Dr. Maya Prunchinsky Groza, and I actually joined UMI in August of 2022. So I come from a PhD in marketing and spent 10 years at Northern Illinois University working through the tenure ranks of publishing and teaching courses in digital marketing. So I find ChatGPT very fascinating and a part that many digital marketers and content marketers are shouting about. So we, I took the role at U of I in August of 2022 and already at our January all-college meeting, this was discussed, right? ChatGPT kind of came into the mainstream market late November, December, and then really has accelerated in its growth and awareness over the last couple of months. So this is something that is on faculty minds, and I thank you for welcoming me on today to chat about it. Yeah, our, our pleasure. Connor, do you want to kind of take yeah. it away? I mean, so moving on from that, you, you've already mentioned that it's it's definitely been discussed. I mean, in what, in what sort of context has it been brought about as a sort of like maybe threatening sort of thing or something that needs to be discussed to like the teachers and stuff to look out for? How, how did they talk about it to you and the other faculty? Yeah, fascinating. So there's been so many articles written on it, and I think what we're seeing is a spectrum of response in this way. Some faculty are saying, hey, we've lived through this before. Wikipedia came on the scene in 2001, 2002, you know, really transformed higher ed then. 
We were having these conversations way back then. Others are like, whoa, this is a game changer. And we are going to have to adjust and adapt and right change how we are educating and how we are assessing our students due to the advancement of this tool. So I think we're seeing a little bit of a response of everything from the faculty, some embracing it in their classes and some actually putting in some restrictions and saying, you know, if you use this and straight direct copy it, it is a violation of the academic dishonesty policy. That makes sense. Okay, so you say that some teachers have been embracing it. And in what ways would you say have they been, I, I guess, utilizing it as a tool? Yeah, here's a couple of faculty members that have altered their assessments to more what we're doing right now, audio and video, right? So instead of having a student write a you know, three-page to five-page paper on something, saying, produce me a 10-minute podcast, produce me a 10-minute video of you, you know, for two-minute video, however long, of you actually telling me what you've learned and applying it in a different situation. So I think there's some faculty that have adapted in that way, where they've actually altered the assessment style and the tool that they're going to use. Also, faculty who are bringing it into the classroom may have it as a prompt and say, hey, ask ChatGPT what the four Ps are of marketing. But then the next question follows up on that and say, tell me an experience in a recent store retail environment that you've been a part in, that you have seen each of these four Ps emerge, right? So it's like these very specific questions that mm -hmm. ask for people's backgrounds and identities to emerge in answers that ChatGPT can't know. Yeah. They don't know Maya Groza and what my recent shopping experience was at Marshall's. I think that, no, I really like that a lot because I think that just starts it off and it gives them a chance to be like, okay, like you said, the four Ps of marketing, and then it just allows you to use it as a tool and then go from there and then kind of bring it back onto yourself. So that way you're not only using ChatGPT to just give you an answer, you can use it as just the beginning and then you finish it with the rest of your experiences or whatnot. Yeah, precisely, Connor. I think that's that's where this all is. is it's just a, a starting point. It's a fantastic tool mm -hmm. that allows us to actually have a conversation, right? And to actually learn, but it's a starting point and that it, it can't ever understand your whole lived experience of your lifetime. And I think as faculty members, as more that we continue to bring that in of everybody's different backgrounds and perspectives, that's how this higher ed experience will continue to transform and be personalized. Yeah, I really like that because it's it's easy to just, even without ChatGPT, it's really easy to just go online and look up the four pieces of marketing. Like anyone, anyone can do that. You know, my 10-year-old my brother could do that. And just knowing that isn't really important anyways. So, well, it's not the whole picture. And so I think, you know, being able to dive deeper and give specific examples could actually really help learn the concepts behind the effects. So it's great to hear, you know, how professors are working it into the curriculum, but where is the line that's drawn where it, it becomes plagiarism or academic dishonesty? Yeah, here's the, the frustration on a faculty member's part is when we have robust experiences in class and that cannot be replicated, right? We are in a very special environment 
when we engage in a classroom experience and having dialogue and all of the unique things that emerge from that. Then when an assessment occurs and perhaps a student, right, puts the question prompt into ChatGPT and it gives them a very boilerplate answer that might be actually from a different operations textbook than a professor was using. Hence the terminology is not the same, but yet the frustration from the faculty member comes when they're noticing, right, the wrong answers. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you weren't, were you not in class? Did you not, you know, we don't use that term for this part of what we're trying to convey in the literature. So I think that's where faculty members are getting irritated because we don't want to see it as a shortcut. We want students to really grapple with material and use it to elevate your own understanding. So when something is wrong, right, that the wrong answer was given because it wasn't the terms used in class, then the faculty members are saying, well, how are they getting these answers? And many times, yeah, you, know, you can kind of go back into ChatGPT and ask specific questions and yeah, the output is very similar. Mm-hmm. So that flirts the academic dishonesty policy that uh, directly copying work and the answer is wrong and and not not what the professor was asking yeah and going off of that i mean obviously that's a more blatant i think used because the professor might be able to just see like okay if a student's giving this kind of work and then all of a sudden it changes or is something that's completely different from what they're kind of teaching in the lesson say it's a online document or something they're answering questions online or through a test or something do faculty have a way to kind of like scan it or anything, see if it's responses that are least likely to be from a human response and more of like an AI response that could be from something like ChatGPT? Is there anything like that, at least right now? Yeah, fascinating. Behind the scenes, we do not have a tool like that that helps mm-hmm. us assess. I believe there are some tools out on the market in that way, but they're not fully integrated into our, right, our learning management system mm-hmm. that we use at the University of Idaho. So there is not as clear of a way, yes, to kind of see the possibility that some responses have been written in that way. It is so new, which is like, which is definitely fair. I mean, it would be pretty, pretty wild if the college is already able to pick up something like that to handle that issue, because I I guess most people maybe didn't realize how fast or how big it would become, how prevalent, how how useful it is and stuff, and how people may abuse it and, and such, but... I mean, so it definitely is fair for the college not to already have a way to, to, I guess, response to how it's used. Yeah. And as a marketer, I find the adoption of the products so fascinating. Oh, yeah. Right? And the way that they are restricted access, and then now they're offering a subscription model for it. Very clever. (laughs) And and love the, the product and the right? The promotion of it. Yeah. So this is a really fascinating topic. Are there any professors that are learning about this or desiring to learn more? Yeah, that's a really great question. So our faculty, actually, some of them are engaging in research projects with other colleagues around the country. And what they are doing is actually collecting data from their courses right now. Wow. And they have submitted their exams into ChatGPT and actually scored them and seeing how someone, how ChatGPT performs in their class versus how their students are performing. So almost 
ranking you against ChatGPT and, and you know if you're doing better or the same or worse actually in the course than how the ChatGPT or any AI being AI as well might do in 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 their classes. So with that, then they hope to publish their results and combine kind of a systematic approach of like 30 professors around the country all working on this so that we can show some generalizability across a whole United States sample. Yeah, wow, that's that's fascinating. I had no idea that was yeah, going on. That's really interesting. <laughs> yes. That's pretty cool. So know yeah. that there are curious faculty very, you know, forking through the tool and yeah. wanting to us to have a conversation about it. That's what research is, right? right? Is is have a question, we want to learn more, publish the results, go into a dialogue. That is what we engage in at the end of the day. Yeah, that's interesting. That's really fascinating. So I guess maybe we could look at this from a different perspective as well, from a professional perspective. How do you see this kind of disrupting the digital marketing, content marketing space? Yeah, great question. I see a lot of these kind of posts on LinkedIn, right? And the hashtag of ChatGPT and AI is definitely on people's minds. And I agree that we're having a conversation about it. I mean, from a content marketing perspective, it's fascinating because very quickly it helps with the idea generation, right? And the copy side of writing content. It gives you a great template to get started, right? If all content marketers do this, we will lose the true originality and kind of like the difference. So like natural all, feel. Yeah. Mass, yeah. And they all start to look the same. <laughs> and I, we don't want that to happen, right? That's, that's what becomes challenging is like in content marketing, you still want to be unique and memorable and that's what you want your content to be. So my worry with that is that too many people, it will actually make the machine and we will lose the originality of it. So another thing too that content marketers are always also utilizing are other AI tools. So there are AI artificial intelligence tools out there that help create original images, right? There are ones that help with voice where there are music created AI so I think ChatGPT is bringing the awareness of artificial intelligent tools, but I think I want everybody to acknowledge that there are many industries, right? Where there are numerous tools that allow us to use machine learning and artificial intelligence to make our jobs a little bit easier. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I use Descript to edit this podcast and that's, that's a tool that has AI integrations that really help speed up a process that takes a long time to learn if you're doing it manually. And then Dolly too. And then there's it's really interesting, the whole copyright and ownership claims with that, because artists aren't happy, but it's so hard to track what art it's taking from and what credit is even deserved because, I mean, all art, we're, we're seeing things and then we're putting it on, on the paper. Definitely. So, you know, the, the computer's just seeing things and then mushing it together on the yeah. on the screen. Yeah, and just my biggest takeaway when I think about AI tools is that there are so many, right? And what they are at the end of the day is a tool, not the ultimate end all answer. So my recommendation for students and faculty alike is to engage with it, play with it. That's how we learn. 
that's how we get better is when we try out, test out new theories, new ideas, and new spaces. What well, That's what it is. Test it out, play with it, try it. But it is not the end all copy and paste into an assignment. You're not gonna get the results that you want because you're not putting in that hard work of your own learning, interpreting and digesting and applying it in different situations. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Groza, for coming on the show. It's been great talking to you. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen and look for the next episode next week on Friday. Thank you for the opportunity. Connor and Landon, I had a lovely time. Yeah, thank you.